Welcome to the Satellite Podcast. I'm your host, David Thay, back after a unexpectedly long break. It's been a month since we last recorded, but I hope to be back to being able to do this weekly or at least bi-weekly as I'm in the throes of football season, which sucks all the oxygen out of the room and all the time out of my life. But uh, ironically, this story kind of relates to football. Last Friday, I was getting the kids ready to go to daycare and my one-year-old Titus Apollo cracks me in the eye with his shoe and I immediately sense a burning sensation that felt very much like a scratched cornea, a sensation I was familiar with because 12 years ago I had a rather traumatic experience with a very, very badly scratched cornea. And that's part of the story I want to tell today. So anybody that actually knows me knows that I love football. I coach it. I play it a lot, or at least I used to. I used to play flag football rather prolifically. Back in 2010, right at the end of the summer, I was in a 4-4 four four flag football tournament at Westminster, which is a local school here in the Athens area. Uh, played in the mud and rain for seven hours and loved every minute of it. And my team was doing well. We made it all the way to the semifinals. When I dove for a deep pass and came up with my eyes burning and my vision blurry and I naturally assumed that I just got mud or dirt because it was a really really muddy dirty field and after rinsing my eyes for you know a good five to seven minutes I still could not see clearly but of course wanted to go back in the game and um, did the best I could for the rest of that day and prayed really well all things considered we ended up making it to the finals and we lost but I think I had like a touchdown and two interceptions so played pretty well but kind of Got done with that game, went home to try to assess what in the world is wrong with my eye. I was still in pain. I was still in a lot of discomfort, and I just didn't know what was going on. So I go home. I shower, flush my eye for 10 or 15 minutes. Nothing. I asked my roommates to pray for me, and they did. And one of them, uh, David Yonker, actually prayed this for me. He said, Lord, please remove this object from David's eye in your time and give him patience until that happens. Five more minutes of flushing, flushing, flushing. Nothing happens. And... I was really, really frustrated because although I do have probably a higher than average pain tolerance, it frustrated me to not know what was wrong with my eye. I couldn't see what was wrong with it. I just didn't know. And I was miserable and couldn't understand why. And I was supposed to go with two friends that evening to see the Jaden Smith version of Karate Kid, the remake at the Dollar Theater, because at that time we still had a Dollar Theater in Athens. And it was Kelly Baumgartner and Kim Doremus that I was going with. And it's here that I kind of saw some of God's grace in this whole situation that's going on. So we get there and the movie's sold out. And so my two book friends are offering suggestions and possible alternatives. And I just kind of sat there and stared at them dumbly. And my eye looked like a strawberry. My skin was clammy. I was pouring sweat like I just ran a marathon on the surface of the sun. And that's when my friend Kim just goes, you need to go see someone. <laughs> like, you're not well. And... If you know me, you know that I'm pretty stubborn in general, and I also struggle to admit when I need help. So when I say that I agreed without an argument, that tells you just how defeated I was in this moment. So 20 minutes later, we're at Kim's parents' house. Her dad's a PA. He's checking me out, and about 50 minutes later, he, Kim, and Kelly were waiting with me in the ER at St. Mary's. And again, if you know me, you know this is not the kind of way that I like to do my business. And so... The diagnosis was a scratch cornea, a badly scratched cornea, as in the person checking me out said, wow, that's the biggest corneal abrasion I've ever seen. 
and they put this cool dye in your eye when they look at it to show you the areas that scratch and the dye covered like almost the entire surface of my pupil. So it was bad. And so my friends are sitting there through the entire ordeal listening to me as I'm just kind of mumbling incoherently and they're trying to get me to eat and laughing when the nurse tries to put Kim on the bed because they thought she was the patient. And all that said, we left the hospital at 930 and they took me to get my prescription filled. And um, the funny thing was, had the movie not been sold out, it was two hours and 20 minutes long. So we would have been getting out right at that same time. It's just ironic. So the next day, it's a blur of napping, painful blinking and squinting and me calling in sick for the first time in my five years of teaching. I'd never taken a sick day before this happened. And I had to because I was told that the narcotic they gave me for the eye pain was something that would not allow me to drive. So I kind of worried over what to do with my classes, talked to some of my coworkers who assured me that it was going to be fine. Laurel Kinsey and Susan Margaret, who are two really just really good friends and great colleagues. And they assured me that they would take care of my lessons and the locker room coverage and all that. And we kind of always did that for each other, but it was just different when in someone showing grace to you. And so it's a situation that at that point I hadn't been in before, and it was just another reminder of God's goodness because I'm just a very independent person. I like to do things for myself. I'm used to doing things for myself. And so not being able to was just a new situation for me. So Monday I went to the opt- ophthalmologist, and I received what I'm pretty sure was the world's biggest eye patch and prayed constantly for patients not to rip the thing off while I was supposed to let my eye heal. Finally, on Tuesday, my brain started working again, and I could do most of the things that I was normally able to do, like think, type, and write, which is why I stopped to write down this story. And I know you're like, okay, David, that's just kind of a random story. What's the point? And I want to share with you several things that I learned, and I was reminded of these when I had this abrasion to my eye on Friday from Titus, thinking about this whole situation, and I went back and read this thinking, what was it like when this happened before? One of the first takeaways was that I'm not invincible, which, you know, when you're 26 years old, you're in peak athletic conditioning, and you can feel, you kind of feel like you can do everything, it's easy to forget. It's a lot easier now as I approach 40 to know that I'm not invincible, but, at, you know, in your mid-20s, you just kind of feel like you're going to live forever, you're always going to be able to do the things that you love and are, are good at, and it was a reminder that, you know, God has blessed me with extraordinarily good health and extraordinarily strong and fit body and a generally high pain tolerance, and I've just always been able to shake off colds, sprains, cuts, and bruises, and all other kind of maladies of pretty relative ease. And it was different when it was something that was so essential to my life, like my vision being threatened. And it just felt kind of helpless. And it was really humbling to have to let other people take care of me because I'm used to being the one that takes care of others and helps others. And I am used to being the person that helps other people fix things in their life. And I'm used to being the giver and not the receiver. So Having to realize that I do need others and there are times when I can't take care of myself was really humbling and it becomes even more apparent when you get married. (laughs) But um, sometimes it takes things like this to remind us. And it also was an example of God giving me great endurance as I was just waiting and waiting and waiting for the pain to go away and for the comfort to come and for the relief to come and for me to understand why I was in pain and That Saturday afternoon, I was frustrated by not only the pain, but the uncertainty because I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if this was something small or if my eyeball was about to fall off. And I feel like there's such a great spiritual application there as 
there are so many times when we don't understand why we're dealing with the situation that's causing us pain, whether it be physically, emotionally, or whatever in life, and we're waiting for God to reveal why we're going through this and or for him to bring it into the pain itself. And I had prayed the prayer at that time, Lord, if you are not going to take this away right now, please give me the strength to endure it. And I realized that's a prayer that's like a lifelong prayer that I'll be praying multiple times throughout the rest of my life. And I realized that as I went through this pain, that healing wasn't the only thing I should pray for. I just needed to pray for daily bread, daily provision. Lord, give me the ability to drive my car where I need to go. Give me the ability to do these basic tasks like writing and reading that I have to do for my job. Give me my daily strength and grace. And that's what I had to have. And I prayed that on my way to the ER when my eyes were closed and throbbing. I prayed it at church that Sunday while I had my head down at a table listening to Carlos speak on running the race. I prayed it when my eyes were scratchy and bloodshot during a meeting we had to do after church. I prayed it that Monday when I was ready to rip the patch off my eye and God was faithful. And even though God is faithful, one of the other things I realized is that pain still stinks. <laughs> pain is not enjoyable, even though you know God is faithful through pain. And I have an entirely new appreciation at this time for those who ask you to pray for their physical healing. Pain changes us, and that pain made me into a different person for those few days. I barely ate, which was not like me at all. <laughs> I was quiet. All I wanted to do was sleep, and my friends hated seeing me like that, and they told me this. And it begs the question, do I hate seeing my friends suffer? Do I really? And if I do, I can't help but intercede on their behalf. And it makes me think, as I read through this story, even now, do I have true empathy for people? Or do I just pay lip service? Do I really have deep-seated connection to them in my heart, deep-seated empathy in my heart? And how horrible is it for someone to endure pain for months or years and not just days? I had a condition that was supposed to be better in a week now. There's a story there. It took about a month to heal. Got hit in the face of the basketball a few weeks later, reopened the cut, ended up taking eight months to heal. So that said, what about people that live in chronic pain, that deal with chronic illnesses, cancer, dementia, things like that, and they're not going to be healed on that side of heaven, or there's very little hope of them being healed on this side of heaven? Do I intercede for those people? And what about those praying for me? This was really interesting to reflect back on. I was in such dismay Saturday and Sunday that I was asking anybody and everybody to pray for me and to, for God to give me healing and strength. And that's not like me. And God was faithful in both. But after a while, I started to realize that I had been kind of using this injury as a way to get sympathy and attention. Like, I didn't just want their prayers. I wanted them to say they felt sorry for me and to dote on me and... Since I'd made a strong effort to be a good friend to others, I felt like they were obligated to stroke my need for attention and comfort at this time. And I realized that, like, that's not the way I should be acting. We should not use our pain to feed our egos or our need for attention or affirmation. And that was a realization I had for a couple of days that, like, I've got to talk to God about my attitude towards this. And that was just a really interesting thing because... I had adopted a victim mentality and a victim mindset, and I realized that that was not an attitude that was glorifying to God in the midst of this pain and discomfort. I think kind of the last thing I took away from this was that God was good, 
and that trials are temporary. We serve a God that is not only good, but eternally good. And even if a trial lasts 40 to 50 years, which just sounds horrible to think about, God forbid that ever happened to me, in the grand scheme of things, it's only temporary. And the hope in the midst of our trials is the fact that we serve an eternal God who has promised us blessings beyond the here and now. Yes, a lot of times he will reach out and minister to us right here where we are. But there are other times when our hope is beyond this life. And we need to be praying for people that God does minister to them on this side of heaven, but also that they can endure until he gives them their greater rest on the other side of heaven, if that's what it takes. And I'm also just reminded to remember what it's like to suffer. I have said in many, many times that I think I have a relatively easy life, especially compared to a lot of my friends. I have not had to deal with a lot of pain and suffering in my life, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual of any type. And I'm reminded that like suffering sucks. And when somebody else is suffering, you need to remember what it's like to suffer and approach them with empathy instead of eye rolls or questions or whatever else, which is what I'm prone to do. And last but not least, don't ever scratch your cornea. It's awful. Don't do it. This is Dave Bethay for Satellite Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.